Hi, everyone, and welcome to our Title Now pop-up webinar. I'm Melissa Murphy with The Fund, and I get to host these pop-up webinars every month. They're quick, 30 minutes. There's no CLE, but they are free, and they are uh, super quick and casual. We try to focus on topics of current interest, sometimes topics that are brand new, and fund members are just starting to learn about a topic and trying to get up to speed. Sometimes we're revisiting um, older topics that need an update. Uh, we don't record the video, but we do push the audio, uh, the conversation that we're gonna have out on our podcast, which is also called Title Now, so that's super easy for you to remember and find. Uh, also free to subscribe. Would love to have you as a subscriber. So um, look for that pretty, you know, within a week or so of uh, today. You know, I think FinCEN, which is an acronym that those of us uh, here at the fund um, are very familiar with, but maybe others are not. It stands for the Financial Crime Enforcement Network. It's part of the Department of Treasury. I think the folks at FinCEN decided that the business and real estate world had gotten plenty of rest over the holidays, and so they have hit us with a couple of new things and people have been talking about them. So what is this all about? Well, there's been a lot of talk and probably some level of angst about a new federal law, the Corporate Transparency Act. And everyone out there watching and listening needs to keep the CTA, as we call it, you need to keep that separate from another new FinCEN rule that you're also hearing about, which has to do with reporting real estate transactions. Now, these are two completely different sets of laws and regulations. The FinCEN rule is not yet in effect, but eventually you will need to pay attention to that. Today, we're talking about the Corporate Transparency Act because that is already in effect and in place. Now, we've already got inquiries about your questions. We want you to post your questions in the question area of the webinar, which is over to the right. Um, just click on the uh, sideways triangle under questions and post your question. And we have Brian Stringer, who's one of our underwriting attorneys here, monitoring your questions. Now, he'll share your questions at the end, but please don't submit detailed fact scenarios that you want us to opine on because we really can't do that in the limited time we have here. So we're looking for more general questions. But if you have a particular fact scenario that you uh, need help with, then just email us separately. Um, and with me today is one of our legal education attorneys, Kara Scott. Uh, she has really dived into the CTA and is here to share some of that high level information with you and you can certainly email Kara. That's super easy. I guess just kscott at the fund.com. You can always email me um, and I'll get the email over to Kara. Um, 
but let's welcome Kara. Thank you so much for being here because you know a heck of a lot more about the CTA than I do. Thank you, Melissa. I appreciate you, you having me here today. You bet. So let's start. Why? <laughs> what is the purpose of this law? Tell us that. That's always everyone's first question, right? Why? Anyone who has ever had kids knows that every toddler is, why, mom, why, <laughs> right? So um, the purpose really is it's a, it's a tool. It's a new tool by FinCEN, and it's designed to crack down on money laundering and other criminal activity by collecting information on small companies, small shell companies. Previously, they have pretty much flown under the radar and they um, are really good for anonymity. So that's what FinCEN and the federal government are targeting these companies. And that's because these small shell companies are, they provide anonymity to the owners. And um, the federal government wants to collect this information on the owners of these companies so that they can kind of try to track them. The information is used by law enforcement and other federal agencies. It's not available to you or me. And uh, it's just to help them crack down on money laundering. So are all types of entities covered? Not all, but it's really entities that are formed by filing a document in the Secretary of State's office or in Florida, Department of State. Um, and so it's really corporations, LLCs, other types of, of similar types of entities, uh, unless they're exempt. But really, for the most part, it targets all entities that are formed with the Secretary of State. And does it just cover brand new entities or is there some you know, retroactivity to it? Um, what's it, the effective date and how does that play a role? It actually covers all entities that are in existence prior to the effective date of the law, which was January 1st, 2024. And moving forward, it's going to cover all brand new entities that get formed but the reporting is slightly different. So for entities that were in existence before January 1st of 2024, they have the entire calendar year of 2024 to file a BOI report, Beneficial Ownership Information Report. But new entities that get filed after January 1st, 2024, they have 90 days to file from the date of their formation in this calendar year, in 2024, but in 2025 and moving forward, they will have 30 days to file after formation. Yeah. So FinCEN is assuming that after a year, people will be more aware of this and they're, they're scrunching down that period of time within which they want that BOI to get to their office. Mm -hmm. I guess they're worried that a lot of um, bad stuff can happen. <laughs> in 90 days. They want initially, to know within 30 days. Initially, they were requiring all new entities to file in 30 days, but they realized 2024 was going to be really busy with a lot of reporting, so they gave it a little bit more time. Oh, so this was to benefit them, not to benefit those of us who have to do the filing. I get it. Okay. <laughs> um, so you mentioned exemptions. So Talk to us, you know, generally, I, I know there might be a long list of exemptions, but what are the ones that um, come to mind most readily and are most common exemptions? Mm -hmm. 
Well, there are 23 specific exemptions in the statute itself, and I'm not going to go over all 23, but most important to us in our industry is the exemption for insurance companies. So title insurance companies like Old Republic are exempt from reporting under the law. Also, title insurance agencies are also exempt from reporting. So that's good news. However, law firms are not exempt. So if you operate as a law firm, a PLLC, something like that, my last firm was a PLLC, so they're going to have to file a BOI report for that firm. Uh, is there an exemption for super large companies? Uh, and would that cover you know, the really large law firms that we have here in Florida? Yes, there is a large company exemption. It has to have at least 20 full-time U.S. employees. It must have a U.S. presence, so it can't be across overseas. And it needs to have at least $5 million in gross receipts shown on their U.S. tax return. But there is an exemption for large companies. Well, that certainly wouldn't apply to most of our fund members, but uh, there is an exemption for that. All right, what are some of the other exemptions? Well, charitable organizations, nonprofits are exempt, but not all of them. So that's interesting. So um, any nonprofit that's formed under 501c of the Internal Revenue Code is exempt. So that's good. But something to note, especially in the real estate industry, is a condominium association, homeowners association, those are usually formed under Section 528 of the IRC, and they are not exempt under the Corporate Transparency Act. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. That seems so odd to me because you wouldn't normally think of a condo or an HOA as a shell corporation that criminals would be laundering money through. Um, I know you can't answer this question, but I just wonder why nobody raised that in the um, discussions, et cetera, leading up to the effective date of this new law, um, because I think that will come as quite a surprise to many people in Florida. And it's yet another reason why I don't want to be on the board of directors of my condominium or HOA, because generally these people are volunteers, and now they get to provide all of their personal information to FinCEN. Yeah, and it's funny you should mention that, because I made the foolish decision of joining my my board of directors for my condominium association. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> it's a thankless job. And yeah, I'm a volunteer. And uh, so now I do, I have to provide my personal information to the association when they file their BOI report. If you are, if you are a beneficial owner, well, let me, let me back up. Let's talk about what it means to be a beneficial owner, um, because I think we need to chat about what that means in the context of these HOAs and condos. But um, how does the law define a beneficial owner? Right. 
Well, first, it defines a beneficial owner as someone, an individual, who owns at least 25% ownership interest in the entity. So that's somewhat common sense. But they also expanded that definition to include any individual who has substantial control over that entity. So that could be um, in, the, in the sense of a condo board, that could be the board of directors has substantial control. Um, in the sense of, um, say, you have an LLC with two members, and but you also have a manager who might not be a member, but is a manager. So that manager now is also considered a beneficial owner under this law. So I can see where um, FinCEN would consider the members of a board of directors of an HOA or a condo, each one of them having substantial control and needing to file a BOI. Hmm. So let's get down to the um, a little bit of the nitty gritty. And um, where, where does one go to actually file this BOI? So we, you have to go to FinCEN.gov. It is not letting me show my screen. We're going to quickly make you an organizer. While we do um, that, I, I did also want to mention um, company applicants when we're okay. talking we were talking about beneficial owners, but new entities now also have to um, be company applicants on their BOI report. So that might be someone like when I was in private practice, I used to um, file these new entities for my clients, and that would make me a company applicant under this new law. Oh, they have oh, to be supported so. too. <laughs> All right. So... If a if a law firm files a an LLC, the law firm actually is the individual, correct? The individual that supervised and and supervised the filing of that LLC would have to file a BOI for that new well, LLC. You don't report the law firm, you report the attorney the individual. to the filing. And it could oh. even to even go even further to require a paralegal to be reported. Say, I told my paralegal to file on, on Sunbiz for me. Now my paralegal's also a company applicant. You have to report Ouch. too. <laughs> Ouch. That's yeah. going to cause some changes in the way people handle it. All right. I think we've got your screen situation okay. worked out. So, um, so you can see this phase. Um, yeah, this is FinCEN.gov. This is their homepage. And you can see right on the left-hand side, the big BOI. That's a hyperlink. You can just click on that. And it takes you through a couple more pages that explain what you need to, to do to file. And then you eventually will get to the page where you actually can either download a PDF to your computer, fill it out on your computer, and then upload it. Or they have a web-based portal as well. So if you use the web-based portal, you just simply fill in the information it's asking and keep clicking the next button until you get to the end. It's relatively simple. So all of the filings need to be done online. There's no option to fill it out in hand and mail it in. No, no. You, if you fill it out on your computer, you have to upload it. Okay. So what information is required on each of these beneficial owners? 
So first you have to report the company itself. So you need the company name, if it has any DBAs, uh, their business address, tax ID number, and that sort of information. And then you need to report for all the individuals. So as I mentioned before, anybody who owns at least 25% of the entity, as well as anyone who has substantial control over the entity. And you need to report their name, their address, date of birth, social security number, and upload a copy of their ID. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, that's scary. That's lots of personal information. Uh -huh. And if you are, let's say you're a member of your condo board of directors, I'm kind of thinking that the person who would comply with the Corporate Transparency Act for that condominium association would either be the attorney for the condo association or maybe even the management company. So the members of this board of directors are sharing their personal information with that person. Um, is there a way to not share that personal information with these different individuals? Well, Can you can you get, uh, you know, any kind of, can you separately give your information to FinCEN and then have some kind of way to indicate that you've already given it to them rather than sharing it with a, especially a management company? I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm prejudiced against management companies, but I'd be a little worried about that. Yeah. And, and actually, um, I did want to mention that there are penalties if you don't file. So you can't just say, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not giving you my info. <laughs> there are civil and criminal penalties. So uh, fortunately, there is an option. You can get what's called a FinCEN ID. And what you do is you have to go to a separate website to apply for a FinCEN ID. You simply put in your information, your name, your address, your date of birth, your social security number, upload a copy of your ID, and then what happens is then FinCED will issue you a number. And you can then, from that point forward, use that number instead of giving your personal information out to everybody. So I actually did that because I figured, well, I'm going to need it for my condo board. So I went through the application process. It was very, very simple. Uploaded a copy of my Florida driver's license. It did not need the back. I'd only asked for the, for the front. And I got a FinCEN ID. So now um, when my condo board does their BOI report, I just have to give them that number and I'm already in the system. So that's a really good way to preserve privacy. Well, and if, do, do these filings need to be done on an annual basis for corporations or only if information changes? Right. Only if information changes. It's not like filing an annual report. So you do it once. And then if there are any changes, you need to make updates or corrections, then you need to file a new one. So just speaking from personal experience in my small little HOA, um, it's a pretty small board and people leave the board for a year and then come back on. So kind of looking out into the future uh, if I'm on the board, I file the information, 
I go off the board for a year, I come back on, I'm assuming an updated filing would need to be done with my personal information all over again, unless I had a FinCEN ID. That's a good question. I, I know that when you leave the board and the board members change, then your association would have to file an updated report. Now, when you come back on the board, do you need to file another updated report? Probably in an abundance of caution, I would say, yes, just do it. <laughs> and you'd have 30 days after that change, I guess. Correct. Yes. So I feel like we've walked everybody through the very high-level basics of this law, um, but what other resources do we have for fund members to take advantage of? Well, the fund has a dedicated page on the fund's website that addresses FinCEN reporting. It includes the GTOs that some people might be familiar with as well. Um, but if you go to the fund's website and click on the resources tab, and then scroll down a little bit, look for a, a hyperlink called FinCEN reporting, and that will take you to another page that includes a lot of information as well as a webinar. We just re-recorded the CTA webinar because the one that had been presented last year didn't include the updated beneficial ownership information report. So there's a new webinar that's available and, um, and as well as a lot of other information. As well, um, the FinCEN.gov website has a wealth of information, many FAQs, other information. There's something called the Small Entity Compliance Guide that you can download, and it's about 150 pages or so long, but it's, it's not that bad. It's written. It's written in plain English. It's written for you know people who are not necessarily lawyers. So it's a useful uh, guide, and I would share it with my clients as well. Yeah, well, that's a good idea. Well, there's some resources for you all out there. So we've got a, a generous amount of time for some questions. So Brian, what kind of tantalizing questions do we have out there? Thanks, Melissa. Well, most of them you guys have already answered throughout this awesome presentation that you put on, I know. <laughs> um, one that I saw is about dissolved entities. Uh, one question was, if the LLC was formed prior to 24, but then dissolves in 24, do you have to report? It depends how old that entity is. There is an exemption for inactive entities. And there are a number of requirements, one of them being that the entity itself had to be formed prior to 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are some other requirements too that need to be met, but if it qualifies as an inactive entity, it does not need to be reported, it's exempt. Okay, another question from a member was, if an inactive entity is owned by a foreign person and therefore not exempt, how far back does fencing go based on the formation? Is it anything formed before 20 or after 20? That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. That might be a, for FinCEN, uh, which actually they're pretty responsive if you email them directly with questions. Okay. And I know we touched on this one. Another one is who is a beneficial owner of a condo association? That would be the officers. Yes, the beneficial owner would be if there are officers or the board of directors, anyone with substantial control, because it's unlikely you're going to be able to have anyone, an owner with 25% interest when you're dealing Not with a condo. Yeah. Not right. a condo. <laughs> Unless you have a right. four unit condo. 
And and one that's come up uh, several times is people that serve as registered agents for our clients, the you know the corporations and LLCs. Do they have to report? The registered agent, no. Um, but if they are the ones that form the LLC in the in the first place, uh, whoever did that filing, not the company, but the individual, still needs to be reported as a company applicant. Okay. And does it apply to church board of directors? I would think churches are formed under 501c. So I don't, yeah, I believe churches would be. IR, yeah. It depends on the IRS code under which they are filed. Now, if they just, I think if they just filed corporation and didn't apply for 501c status with the IRS, they probably need to report. It's only if they have that IRS 501c3 status granted to them, right? Right. Another one that came was a lot of a lot of attorneys and offices use a corporate um, provider to form their entities. And the question is, if they use some sort of a third party to form their entities, who in their office has to report? Is it the paralegal? Is it the attorney? Or is it just the company that forms it? It's the individual at the company. So whichever company that is that's forming the LLC, the individual that actually did the filing online with SunBiz, that's the person who has to be a company applicant. Okay. And the other one, is this a one-time requirement or do you have to update it every year? You just need to update it if there's changes. So unlike an annual report, it does not need to be filed every year. Okay. Other question was, are sole proprietorships exempt? Sole proprietorships, oh, not filed. So they're just basically a DBA then they are technically exempt because they are not considered a reporting company. A reporting company is a company that's filed a document with the Secretary of State or Department of State. So okay. a sole proprietor that's just doing business as, they, they're not a company. Another question, if they're going to remove a member on the 2024 annual report, do they have to still report that person? I'm guessing that's for an existing company. Yes. Um, so if they have the whole year of 2024 to file the BOI report, so I would just say wait until whatever changes have been made and then file. There are going to be this rash of people that resigned. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> right. on, on the boards of existing entities uh, so that they don't have to report. Yeah. My condo association, we're already down to only four people. Nobody wants to do it. <laughs> well... This might motivate more people not to do it. It's kind of, yeah, it's just kind of odd that they included condo and HOAs in this. Um, is that all the questions, Brian? There's a lot more questions. Um, you had, like I said, you guys answered most of them. Another one that I've seen okay. a few times, what happens if one of the members or managers doesn't have a social or an ITIN? Um, <laughs> why wouldn't they? Yeah. I guess they're a foreign person. Um, it's a foreign person. Well, they can use their foreign social or foreign tax ID number. There is okay. they there is a way that you when you go through the system, the filing, you uh, put in your tax ID number and the system will recognize if it's a US or non-US number. And then you put in the country that issued that number. I have a question, Brian. So what this law is trying to get at the individuals who are beneficial owners. So if you have a corporation that is um, owned by another corporation, you really need to drill down to get to the beneficial 
owners, the individuals who would be the beneficial owners, right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. okay. All right, go ahead, Brian. Uh, another one is a change, but what triggers the requirement to update? Is a change of address enough that you have to update? Believe it or not, yes. Even something that simple or getting a new driver's license. What if your driver's license changes? And here's an interesting question. I think we have time for one more. This one, this member said they've received numerous calls to transfer their LLCs into trust to avoid the reporting. They want to know, does that negate the reporting requirement? Well, <clears throat> this gets complicated. I know it does. If a trust is an owner, the trustees of that trust still need to be reported, those individuals. But if they are dissolving the LLC and just going to be owning their assets in the name of a trust, I don't know. That that, that would be a question for FinCEN, I think. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Brian. Um, and thanks to everybody for attending today. Kara, thank you very much. Um, you, you've gotten some really good questions today that will expand your knowledge of the law and make you even more useful to fund members. Um, and for a more detailed explanation of the law and uh, Kara walking you through the website, watch that recorded webinar. It should be up later today, uh, the updated version later today, because there's great stuff in there. And if you want to listen to this conversation again, uh, you got 30 minutes driving in the car, get the podcast. I would love for everybody that registered today to uh, become a subscriber. And of course, as always, thank you for your support of the fund.